We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to AFA at the Core here on the American Family Radio Network. My name is Walker Wildman. Good to be with you today on the network. This show, once again, is AFA at the Core, and I'm your host, Walker Wildman. Uh, Rick Green, my good friend Rick Green, guest hosted for me on Friday, and I got a couple text messages from my audience. Uh, Some of them were from my family members. Uh, making sure everything was okay because I wasn't on the show on Friday and everything was perfect. Everything was great. Uh, what I'm doing here uh, for the foreseeable future is each week on Fridays, I'm going to have a guest host uh, because some of you know this, some of you don't, but in a, a, along with hosting AFA at the core, I am also vice president of operations here at American Family Association. And we have about 120 staff members here, full-time staff members. We have dozens of independent contractors. Uh, We've got a large national ministry operation here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, So that's part of my responsibility here at AFA. Uh, So I need need that Friday to catch up on some of my other work. Uh, So when you hear a guest host on Fridays, uh, all is well. Uh, I'm just uh, getting some good quality uh, guest host to sub for me uh, to bring you some good content to keep the show rolling. So that's what Rick Green did last week, and in the coming weeks you'll continue to hear uh, some good top-quality guest host here on the network on Fridays. And uh, I appreciate Rick Green. I actually went back and listened to the podcast. I appreciate Rick Green uh, hosting for me on Friday. So that's a little backgrounder there. Uh, if you don't hear my voice every single Friday, uh, that's why, because I have other responsibilities here that i got to take care of. Our scripture for the week is out of the book of Proverbs, and this one's going to hit home. This one is a verse that many of us are familiar with. Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. It's so critical that we acknowledge Christ, acknowledge his word in our daily walk. Uh, So very critical there, so that's a word of encouragement out of the book of Proverbs, a a divine word of encouragement, better than words uh, that man can come up with. Hey, I wrote a blog recently about anxiety versus concern, and this was up on our blog site at afa.net. It's actually rotated off the homepage, but you can dig around for it. If you go to our our website, afa.net, and click on The Stand, which is the name of our blog site, uh, you can you can search either by my name or just scroll down a little bit and you'll see this article. It's titled "Anxiety versus Concern: Is There a Difference?" And the more I, uh, when I was writing this blog, uh, the more I studied the definition of concern and the definition of anxiety, it became clear that there's a difference. When you look in, and I'll keep this brief, my, my writing here is about six or 700 words, but when you look in the book of Matthew, Matthew says, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. 
Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into the barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? So Matthew says there in chapter 6, do not be anxious. Jump uh, down, or really jump back in, in Scripture to Proverbs 12. King Solomon says, Anxiety is a man's a heart weighs anxiety in a man's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. So clearly anxiety is being painted and clearly spoken of in a negative light in scripture. But you look at the word concern and it's different. It has a different purpose, a different meaning in scripture. Uh, in in first uh, Peter Peter wrote the following to fellow believers. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, uh, but you had no opportunity. So Peter is expressing happiness in the fact that his brothers and sisters in Christ were concerned about his well-being. And I conclude uh, by encouraging each and every one of us to instead of being anxious, let's be concerned. And let's don't let fear drive us, but let's let our concern drive us. Why? Because God calls us to care for others. God calls us to be concerned about the well-being of others, and more importantly, about the spiritual uh, well-being and eternal state of our fellow, uh, our neighbors and our family members and other human beings created in the image of God. So let's not be dominated by anxiety, but instead let's be dominated by concern, concern that drives action. Anxiety cripples, concern can drive positive change, and we need to be concerned about the right things. That's important. That's an important caveat there. We We can be concerned about a lot of things, a lot of worldly things. We need to be concerned about the things of God. That's what drives us in the right direction. You know, this is a an important week here on the show. We're going to have on Dr. Peter McCullough on Wednesday. Uh, Dr. Peter McCullough is a uh, out of the out of Texas. He's uh, uh, been in the medical field for decades. He's worked at multiple universities, including the University of Texas, and uh, also at Baylor University is where he graduated from. But he he's published uh, hundreds of papers, uh, all kind of peer review papers. And he's up to speed on this entire COVID-19 pandemic. So we're going to talk to him on Wednesday extensively uh, to get his view of of what's going on. And we're going to ask him all the questions that many of you are wondering, uh, but really have no one to talk to. But today, a couple uh, uh, angles I want to take this this show. The there's there's some something going on out there that that we're not being told about. And we're being we're having to find out a lot of this information by researching ourselves. And what I'm talking about here is the efficacy of the shot, the efficacy of what they're calling a vaccine, but it's not behaving like a vaccine. The CDC has admitted on multiple occasions, even the director herself, uh, that that these shots do not provide or do not prevent you from spreading COVID-19. Well, if it doesn't prevent you from spreading the coronavirus, then it obviously doesn't protect you from getting the coronavirus. That's according to our own CDC. You look at the Israeli studies, the Israeli studies are even more transparent because the Israelis, they're not really that concerned about politics. 
they're concerned about the truth and they're concerned about stopping the pandemic. At least they, uh, for the most part, the Israeli data is the most clear and succinct and accurate data we can get. And I'll tell you why after I read this story, uh, but this is out of sciencemag.org. And it's an extensive article about vaccine efficacy in Israel and how the rest of the world needs to be paying attention. Uh, This is um, from Israel. And by the way, Israel is one of the most vaccinated countries in the world. 78% of those 12 and older are fully vaccinated in uh, Israel. But not only is Israel having a spike in cases, but 60% of their gravely ill patients are fully vaccinated. That's an important number. 78% of the country, of the nation of Israel, is fully vaccinated, those 12 and older. And over half of the critically ill patients in the hospital are fully vaccinated. And I think here in the U.S., we are not getting enough data to see what Israel is seeing. And here's why I can say that. The CDC announced in July that it is going to partially stop monitoring breakthrough cases unless they meet a certain threshold uh, for um, developing. This is from, I think it's my last story. I've got a stack of about 30 sheets of paper here. Here it is. Um, This is from Politico back in July, July 30th, 2021. CDC announces that that they're, they're, they're stopping, they're partially stopping their tracking of breakthrough cases. What are breakthrough cases? Cases of people with the shot who get sick. And so we're not, I would argue, we're not getting full, top quality, comprehensive reporting on breakthrough cases. We're just not getting it. Uh, which is why what we're seeing in the U.S. and what Israel is seeing is two different uh, data reports. Um, but that's from the CDC. They Here's the headline from Politico. CDC under fire for decision to limit tracking of COVID-19 cases in vaccinated people. So the CDC is uh, partially tracking breakthrough cases, not fully tracking breakthrough cases like they do everywhere else. And another question I have on these breakthrough cases is, what's the quality of that reporting? What's the quality of that reporting? And what I mean by that is, it's easy to say someone's positive or negative, but are, are, is every clinic, is every hospital, is every outpatient setting that is running tests, are all of them following the same reporting guidelines on breakthrough cases? What What's the quality of this data? And I, we haven't been provided assurance that there is comprehensive, across-the-board reporting standards for breakthrough cases. And so what is the quality of, uh, of the, the data on breakthrough cases? I would argue, at best, the data is incomplete when you're talking about breakthrough cases. cases. Let's jump to a couple clips here. Uh, Dr. Zelenko, Vladimir Zelenko, is out of New York. He's treated, uh, this is what Twyla Braze was talking about last week, uh, Dr. Zelenko has treated 6,000 patients. Of those pa- 6,000 patients, 34 have been admitted to the hospital. And of those 34, 14 have passed away with COVID. And all 14 of those had severe cases of diabetes. So Dr. Zelenko has high credibility 
on treating COVID-19, and he's the one that came up with the Zelenko protocol of multiple vitamins, hydroxychloroquine, and uh, Z-Pak, azithromycin, and other drugs. Uh, so let's listen to Dr. Zelenko explaining why he leapt into action to come up with these uh, these treatments to help his patients get out of the hospital. I was in the hottest outbreak area at that time in the country, maybe even in the world. I uh, had thousands of patients getting sick simultaneously, and it was battlefield medicine. I mean, my office used to see 40 patients. We were seeing 200, 250 patients a day. We were overrun, and there was no laboratories that weren't open. The radiology places weren't open. There was not enough staff. A lot of my staff were getting sick. So it really was like a, a battlefield. And I realized that we needed to adjust our approach because all that the world was being was offering humanity was take some Tylenol, take some fluids, go home. And if you develop shortness of breath, respiratory distress, go to the hospital, get on a ventilator and die. That was pretty much the paradigm that we had, uh, which I, I didn't agree with. Well, that's Dr. Uh, Zelenko, and we got a part two that I'm going to play later in the next segment. Uh, but Dr. Zelenko came up with this protocol called the Zelenko Protocol, and he, he used this protocol on all 6,000 of those patients I just mentioned. And the protocol is simple. Most of this can be bought over the counter. Others have to have a prescription. Uh, but the protocol is zinc, and, and, and I'm not going to give out the levels. You can research that yourself. A zinc, vitamin D3, vitamin C, and quercetin. Quercetin, most people don't know about. They've never heard it. it. It performs like hydroxychloroquine, except for you have to take it every day instead of every month. So that's what quercetin does. So zinc, vitamin D3, and vitamin C, and quercetin. And by the way, we're going to post all this information on my podcast page at AFR.net. So don't fret. Don't say, Walker, you got to read the URL. We're going to post links to all of this on my podcast page. Uh, Dr. Zelenko also went on. Uh, that protocol I just mentioned was a prophylaxis, a preventative protocol. Uh, but Dr. Zelenko uh, began using hydroxychloroquine and ivermectin in the early days of the pandemic. And he has effectively treated over 6,000 patients in New York State in his hospital there. So Dr. Zelenko has a lot of credibility. And why isn't the FDA, why isn't the CDC paying attention to these treatments? AFA at the core, I'm Walker Wildman. We'll be back in a few minutes. He who walks with wise men will be wise, but the companion of fools will suffer harm. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When my wife and I first started having children, we discouraged our family members from speaking to them in baby talk. You know, the gaga goo stuff. The reason was simple. We wanted our children to speak English well. Baby talk would hinder that development. The same principle applies to spiritual development. If we want our children to be wise disciples of our Lord, we should ask ourselves how much of their time is spent investing in spiritual maturity. Protracted time in the company of spiritual baby talkers will inevitably cause harm. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner or visit the podcast page at AFR.net for more from Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Bullying, including cyberbullying, is an issue of personal safety facing kids today. According to 2019 research, about 20% of students ages 12 to 18 experience bullying nationwide. Equip your daughter to face a bully with these tips. Using a strong voice and direct eye contact, tell the bully to stop. If this is hard for your girl or if she does not feel safe, tell her to walk away and to find an adult to help. Remind her not to keep her feelings to herself. Instead, find an adult she can trust. Together, they can make a plan for dealing with future bullying situations. And finally, pray with your daughter, asking for guidance from the Holy Spirit, and remind her of why kindness should always prevail. Want to learn more? Read about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. Dan Celia of Financial Issues. I think income ultimately is the most important thing that we protect. I know one thing, and I know this from sitting across a lot of tables from a lot of people over the years, that at some point in time, maybe it's 75, maybe it's 85, there will be a point in time where the only thing you care about is how much income you have coming in. Don't let your portfolio be 100% subject to the volatility in the markets or dependent upon the market. Shore up some permanent income along with Social Security and your maybe a pension. Have some charitable gift annuity to shore that up. I hope you'll call the AFA Foundation today and find out more detail about a charitable gift annuity. Call and speak with a representative of the AFA Foundation at 800-326-4543, extension 345. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core on the American Family Radio Network. By the way, you can catch my podcast on AFR.net, our website, AFR.net, or by downloading the American Family Radio app. And lastly, we have our podcast posted really wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, By the way, uh, breaking news this morning, Pfizer, uh, the FDA gave full authorization to the Pfizer shot or the Pfizer vaccine. That happened this morning. They got full authorization there. We're going to talk a little bit about that uh, later this segment and next segment, so I'm not going to completely ignore that news story. I've got a lot of news and information I'll bring to you from that. But uh, right now, I want to talk about Afghanistan. In studio with me is Kevin Parker, our Director of Security Operations here at American Family Association. Also, I've been uh, known Mr. Kevin for probably 20-plus years now uh, because his son and I, Kevin Jr., we grew up together. So Kevin's in studio with us. And he was deployed in Afghanistan. Thanks, Kevin, for coming on. Thank you, Walker. Thank you for having me. Uh, so Kevin's our Director of Security Operations here at AFA for our entire organization. But before he uh, came on with us, years before he came on with us, he's been in law enforcement his entire life. Kevin, tell us a little bit about your background from uh, your uh, young, uh, in your 20s law enforcement background all the way until where we are now. Yeah, I, I got into law enforcement uh, early in life and... Uh, Spent uh, about 10 years with the Mississippi Bureau of Narcotics as a uh, agent with them and uh, lieutenant over the Guntown office over six counties and uh, did a lot of investigating. I was a member of SWAT, uh, SWAT team, sniper, 
and spent uh, the last of my career with Tupelo Police Department. Okay. Uh, so Tupelo Police Department's where our headquarters is here in Tupelo, Mississippi. Uh, but for a couple years, you were in Afghanistan as a contractor. Tell us a little bit about what you did there. Yeah, I was uh, assigned to a, a Army unit uh, through my company with NPRI. They, were, they embedded us with the Army unit. We went through Fort Benning through two weeks of training. We were issued a uniform, carried a gun, went on missions with the uh, Army and lived with them in a okay. forward operating base in Afghanistan. So you and I were talking the other day, and that's why I wanted to have you on the show, is because you and I were talking in the hallway about um, the worldview of the Afghans, Af- uh, the Afghan nationals, and you you investigated the Taliban. You had a lot of experience with them in, right. in, in your contracting there. But what is the overall, I mean, what's it like when you've got the Taliban over there and then you've got the Afghan nationals. I mean, is is there a lot of yearning for freedom or in Western ideals, or, or do the Taliban pretty much dominate? Uh, let's say the Taliban pretty much dominate because uh, as we were investigating uh, over there, we they have a uh, what they call a shadow government. So if you have a position here with the uh, Afghans and their national government, they have a counterpart to their position in the Taliban, and they, they're in constant communication with each other. Yeah, and th- that's but that that truth there, and you, you provided me some executive summary reports of people who wrote extensively on their experience in Afghanistan and, and, and interacting with the Taliban and the Afghan National Army, and it, it corroborates everything you're saying. But when I played a clip last week of President Bush in 2002 saying at a press conference or at a speech— uh, that the Taliban regime is coming to an end. <laughs> and right. we've been told over yeah. and over again by Biden before he was president, we've been told over and over again by our leaders that the Taliban are destroyed, they're done for, it's over, the Afghan National Army is now in control. and But that's apparently not true. Correct, correct. It, you know, in, in that article it says that the Taliban doesn't necessarily have to occupy any, any territory or region to be in control of it. Hmm because of the shadow government and their intimidation. And they, they did random checks on schools and uh, different departments uh, within the government to ensure that they uh, had their full attention and cooperation with them. So looking at looking at what has happened in the last two weeks in Afghanistan from your perspective as a contractor and dealing with the, the brutal uh, reality that the Taliban, they're terrorists. You can't really, they, they, li- they believe in Sharia law, they don't right. believe in our Western ideals right. of freedom and democracy and women's rights um, and religious freedom. They completely deny all of that, and their actions prove it. Um, could could our current situation have been prevented when it comes to the 10,000-plus the American citizens that are still stuck in Afghanistan? Oh, yeah. We had we had ample opportunity to get them out of there and, and to bring an end to this. Um, it's very sad that we're in this situation for sure, but I, I do agree that we, we needed to get out of there, but it was how we did it, which was, was very sad to, to see. But uh, we, we definitely needed to, to get out of there probably even sooner because we were just fighting a losing battle. There was, there was no buy-in to the Hearts and Minds uh, campaign that we were trying to uh, instill in the locals. They, they just couldn't see past it, and... And there were a lot of good good people there. Don't get me wrong. Uh, they were they were very loyal to to us at the time that we were there working with them. Mm-hmm. 
But I think when the when you know once they knew we were going to be gone, their loyalty had to switch back over. Sure, and, and that had to happen at some point. Right. I mean, and, right. and as everyone has noted, we can't stay over there forever. Even the people who thought we should have waited a little bit longer, none of them will say we should stay there forever. Even though some of that, that that's their intention for some right. people. You have you had one story that you told me um, during your investigations of where the 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 Taliban and these these uh, leaders, these regional or, or community leaders, would basically lie and cover for 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 the terrorists. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. We were we were under attack. I believe it was in Jul- early July, late June of 2011. And it was about 5.30 in the morning when this attack happened. And uh, it was quite an ex- extensive uh, battle. Uh, and we chased the guys down and got some good leads on them and got them captured and uh, arrested them. Took them back to the district center, which is their local police department, and uh, had them locked up in the jail cell. And later on that evening, several village elders came up uh, to want to meet with us and the, the local captain, but they are our captain there. So I went to this meeting and they were uh, all saying that they would vouch for their innocence by saying that they were with them. Hmm. And I asked them, I said, uh, what time did you wake up this morning? And I think there was like seven o'clock or something that morning. I said, so you, you can't vouch for their innocence because you weren't awake at the time the attack happened. So you don't know where they were. <laughs> And that, but so, that was the, that was the 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 tribal leaders and the elders lying to the American military, exactly. trying to cover for the Taliban. And and, right. and folks, the reason we're presenting this is because this is you've got to understand that not everything's on the up and up over there. Um, you've got the Taliban; they're brutal, they're terrorists, they kill people, um, and and that 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 culture's been there for hundreds of years. Um, and so many, many of our government leaders thought we could we could go in there and export democracy and build a country there. Um, but but as Kevin is pointing out, many people who were on the ground in Afghanistan uh, will tell you that that was really never going to happen because of the pure control of the Taliban. Right. It, and, you know, later on, and I think it was that year, uh, we lost uh, one of our fellow workers in a, a local uh, meeting. Mm. With with some village elders and uh, one of the uh, police officers there, shot him and killed him. Is that what do they call that green on blue? Yeah, uh, blue on green. Blue on green. Blue on green. Where they yes. where the the Afghan nationals turn their guns on either on either Americans. either American citizens or uh, other Afghan national exactly. army members. Wow. And we we lost uh, several several people that way. That uh, it's just unfortunate that uh, they were just had people infiltrating and of course they, they had no allegiance right to their country they had more allegiance to the taliban than to the country yeah because that's where probably a lot of their protection was correct correct is yeah. with the taliban so all right kevin well thanks for coming on brother thank uh, you appreciate you coming all in right. studio that's kevin parker he's our uh, director of security operations here at american family association has uh has about two years experience in afghanistan um and so that's his his testimony his story there uh, about his experience dealing with uh, terrorists and the Taliban, um, and all the shady, shady deals that they were, uh, that they were trying to cut to protect the Taliban, even lying to American soldiers, uh, trying to vouch for people that they weren't even with uh, when they committed an attack on U.S. troops. Um, so, you know, you talk to, and th- this is what's so important. You know, it's one thing for the Pentagon or for some political leaders like Joe Biden to tell us that, you know. 
we uh, uh, we need to stay there forever or we need to um, export democracy. We need to nation build. And President Biden hasn't said that specifically, but other leaders have said we need to stay there. You know, we need to support the Afghan National Army. Um, but you you talk to people who were actually on the ground in nation, in country, in Afghanistan, um, pretty much they'll all tell you, um, uh, Bobby, that this this was 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 not going to be winnable when you look at nation building. It's one thing to win a war, meaning to destroy the enemy, Bobby, uh, but to nation build is something that's really never been done. Yeah, exactly right. You have, um, uh, to the point of this discussion here, I had the same discussion with some dear friends of mine. Uh, who who had spent significant time in country, both him and his wife, and uh, to to the same uh, experiences, much much like Kevin had. Um, one was a scout, the other one was uh, ran uh, food service uh, uh, services in field and and that sort of thing in country, and um, so they had a lot of. Uh, a lot of discussion with local nationals who worked with them, for them, and for significant periods of time. And it was the same kind of thing. Wonderful people, very loyal, but you're not going to change that mindset. Not in mass. It, it, it's like you normally would do as, a, as you're trying to dis- disciple and minister to people. You have to establish a rapport. Yeah. And it has to be on a one-on-one or small group kind of basis. You can't go in there and expect people who've been dwelling in caves and shacks and shanties and and things of that nature and have been inculcated with a certain mindset yeah. and religious background that is directly related to their laws and, and so on and so forth and expect that to change. Yeah. Uh, even in twenty in a twenty year period. Yeah, that's a good point. And 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 the the Islamic belief system is one of the most antithetical belief systems to American values out of all the ones out there. Um, and so to think we're going to go into a very hostile nation that hates America, that hates the West, that hates Christianity, uh, and flip that thing around with the mil- use of the military, um, well, many of our leaders had to have known uh, that that long-term strategy just wasn't going to work. Um, but many of them failed to admit that, failed to uh, confess that the uh, strategy just wasn't going to work. But this this is going to be a learning a point for our country to know that our military should be used to destroy our enemy using force, killing our enemy. That should be the primary objective of the military, uh, not going in and building airports and building um, uh, uh, bases and building, you know, housing for, for Afghan nationals. And uh, the goal should be to win a war, win it quick, destroy the enemy and get out. Uh, and then, as I said last week, that sends a message to the world uh, that if you mess with the U.S., we're going to come in, we're going to destroy you, then we're going to leave, and if you do it again, we'll do the same thing. Um, that will fend off a lot of aggression on the world stage. Um, back to our discussions on on COVID. I'm going to play clip two here. Uh, this is clip part two of um, – uh, this is clip four, but part two of Dr. Zelenko, and he's talking about uh, how – what led him to discover this uh, Zelenko protocol – uh, to treat COVID-19 patients and the really the urgent state that he was in. Uh, clip four, let's listen. So that's how I, I came up, and I just kind of combined the data, the approaches, I mean, from the Far East with France, modified the dosing a bit to reflect less acutely ill patients in the primary care setting, 
and just decided to try it. These are drugs that I knew very well. Drastochloroquine I've been using for two decades. My rheumatological patients so for malaria prophylaxis. So these are drugs that I, uh, hydroxychloroquine was being given to children, was given to pregnant women, to nursing mothers. I mean, it's safer than Motrin. So I was very comfortable with it. And azithromycin, everyone knows ZPAC, right? It's the most common antibiotic probably in the world. And zinc is just a mineral. So there was no fear factor for me in using these drugs because there was nothing. By the way, I'm not claiming that my approach is the best. Actually, what I'm claiming is my approach is the only approach right now. <laughs> if something better comes up, okay, let's transition to that. But we don't have anything better yet. So why should we let thousands of people a day die? I'm not against research. Let's do research in parallel with using the best available data and, and knowledge that we have at this point. And this anecdotal comment, anecdote is, is a joke. I don't think saving thousands of lives is a joke. And most of humanity our knowledge has evolved not through clinical trial data, but rather through real-world evidence. The example I like to use is if I'm drowning in the ocean and I see a piece of driftwood, I don't have a clinical trial that uh, shows me that this driftwood is going to work, but I'm going to hold on to it because I have nothing else. That is Dr. Zelenko, and, and, and folks, he is expressing many of our frustrations out there, and that is that, that our government and the, the so-called public health experts, many of them have worked overtime, have gone out of their way and, and exerted uh, uh, tons of energy to negate and to speak negatively and to shoot down the idea that there are effective over-the-counter and prescription treatments to treat people with, with COVID-19. The FDA went, uh, they went uh, out of their way to ban hydroxychloroquine last year under the Trump administration. And um, we, we've seen where doctors won't prescribe it. But here's the thing, folks. Here's the thing. What other options do we have? There's only a few other options, but most of the options that are quote unquote FDA approved, they have to happen in a hospital setting. You have to be admitted to the hospital and be in a, in a pretty bad state of COVID-19 to then get these treatments. So why not treat people early and aggressive with these drugs that have been around for decades? This whole idea that ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are dangerous, that's a joke. They all know better, and so do we. We'll be back in a few minutes. In his image, delighting in God's plan for gender and sexuality. I loved it. I loved how biblically sound it was, all the scripture to back it up. The testimonies, very powerful. If it's a prodigal child that has just run away or one that's caught up in same-sex attraction, there's hope in Jesus. In His Image is now available on DVD and can be purchased in bulk to pass out to friends and family. Order today by visiting afastore.net. Author Joy Lucius. I could not believe that out of 1.5 million children that I heard only two names that day, and they were the names of the same two little girls whose picture was hidden in my purse. 
Hear the incredible story that inspired the American Family Association novel, Rose and Odette, Unknown Children of the Holocaust. Visit afajournal.org. Hi, I'm Will Addison, and on behalf of American Family Association, we would like to invite married couples to participate in this month's By Design Challenge. It's simple, but profound. Go to afa.net slash bydesign and sign a petition that expresses your commitment to your God-given marital covenant. While there, you will see a PDF file that will allow you to print out a covenant document for you to sign and date as a symbol of the promise you made before God to your spouse. Marriage was created by God for His glory. No wonder the enemy fights so hard to destroy it because he hates anything God creates. Go to afa.net slash by design to be encouraged and reminded that our marriage is God's marriage and it's worth fighting for. One man, one woman, for life. For life. To participate in this month's challenge, visit afa.net slash by design. The following are real life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call and immediately I felt relief. They contacted all of our creditors and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. AFA at the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Back to AFA at the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to AFA at the Core, this last segment of today's show. My name is Walker Wildman. You know, um, there, uh, as I mentioned, the, uh, the medical establishment and our own government has been working, uh, going above and beyond, out of their way, to to uh, really devalue and 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 reduce credibility for treatments for COVID nineteen treatments, both uh, preventative treatments and uh, treatments with the illness. They've been working overtime to discredit these treatments, uh, but all of the evidence that we're seeing. Even 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 pu- uh, publications on on our own NIH website only affirm that which we've known for over a year now uh, that there are effective treatments out there, and you don't have to listen to me. You you talk to the experts and the doctors who are actually treating patients. That's why I played Doctor Zelenko's clip is because he has treated over six thousand COVID patients, and he's been using this protocol, which has been very very effective. And um, another example of of the media and our government uh, um, bringing um, negative views towards medicines that that clearly work is this story out of Fox News 
Um, here's, here's from the story. Mississippi state health officials issued a recent alert prompted by increasing calls of people with potential ivermectin exposure taken to prevent or treat COVID-19 infection. What this story is talking about is some people that won't even give a specific number, some people who were not very smart and they, uh, they used ivermectin that, that, that is also used to treat animals in different dosages and concentrations, but they use some of that to treat themselves, which if clearly is not recommended, is not smart at all. But, but here's the point of this story. Um, it goes on to say that the FDA previously issued concerns over self-medication with ivermectin intended for animals, noting some people might mistakenly believe the drug can substitute ivermectin intended for humans. Well, it's pretty much the same drug, just concentrated differently, as I mentioned. But here's, so, so we got this headline about the FDA warning against ivermectin as COVID treatment. And, and when you read that, you go, oh my goodness, we can't use ivermectin to treat COVID patients. Hogwash. That's a lie. Listen to this. As of August 20th, Mississippi health officials reported no hospitalizations related to ivermectin toxicity. So, So here's this blaring headline about ivermectin poisoning people. And then you read down at the end of the article, which nobody reads, by the way. We only read the headlines. You read the end of the article, and there's been zero hospitalizations uh, based on taking too much ivermectin. Taking too much ivermectin. So you read that, and you've got people out here talking about stuff they don't even know about. And they're saying, no, no, we can't use ivermectin with COVID patients. That doesn't work. That's for horses. That's for cows. Bull. You're not reading the studies, you're not reading the full article. Fox News runs this fear-mongering piece, and then at the end of it, it says this really isn't a problem. Nobody's been hospitalized with uh, taking too much ivermectin. There is a study on our own NIH website. Here is the abstract from the study. Ivermectin, a U.S. FDA-approved, you heard that, FDA-approved, antiparasitic agent was found to inhibit severe acute respiratory syndrome coronavirus 2. That's COVID-19. Replication in vitro. It goes on to say that virological clearance was earlier in the five-day ivermectin treatment arm when compared to the placebo group. It goes on to say there were no severe adverse drug events recorded in the study. A five-day course of ivermectin was found to be safe and effective in treating adult patients with mild COVID-19. And so you've got the FDA... Uh, they're they're pushing an alert out now, telling people not even to take ivermectin. No caveats. No caveats. No, not don't take the horses ivermectin. They're saying just don't take ivermectin. Ivermectin cannot be used to treat COVID nineteen patients. That's a lie. And these people know what they're doing. These people are not dummies. They're not they're not uh, people living in caves. They have access to the internet. They can read. They know that ivermectin is being used across the country and across the world to treat people with COVID-19. And so to to put out these statements saying, no, 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 you can't take ivermectin, bull, these people are lying, and I'm I'm fed up with it. That's why I'm so furious today is because we have valuable, valid, safe treatments that have been used for decades, that have been FDA-approved for decades, and our own government is out there saying, no, you can't take that. That's bad. And you've got the media uh, following the bandwagon, uh, tooting their horn, and, and it's not true. And, and it's, it's costing people their lives because people are going 
getting sick and they're going, well, I guess I can't take anything. I can't take hydroxychloroquine. I can't take uh, 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 azithromycin. I can't take ivermectin. So I guess I'll just have to go home until I, I can't breathe and then I go to the hospital. And then for many people, it's too late. And another another falsehood, um, and by the way, before I move on, I can't forget, fail to mention this, a Pfizer, the company that produced one of the shots, a Pfizer, here's a quote from July 28 from Pfizer, the company who made one of the shots. Quote, alongside vaccines, success against COVID-19 will likely require antiviral treatments for those who contract the virus. So even Pfizer is admitting now that the vaccine or the shot is not the end-all be-all. They themselves are admitting that, and they're making billions off the shot. And they're admitting as of July 28 uh, that the shot isn't the end-all be-all. We're going to have to come up with some other kind of treatments uh, to slow down this pandemic. And Pfizer, uh, well, they're creating their own antiviral pill that they're going to sell that can be taken at home that should be available later this year, even though we've already got ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine out there, very cheap, readily available. Um, Here's another uh, misinformation. You know, we get accused, the conservatives get accused of misinformation. It's the government and CNN who who are guilty of misinformation. I've got this clip here. This is our own Surgeon General telling Americans something we all know to not be true. He tells Americans on live national television that the vaccine, this shot, provides better immunity than natural immunity. Let's listen. Well, first, what I would say is that at first I wouldn't say anything. I would listen. I would try to understand what his concerns are, what he's heard about natural immunity compared to vaccine-related immunity. And then I tried to to talk to him about what we've understood, actually, from from the studies about natural immunity. We are seeing more and more data that tells us that while you get some protection from natural infection, it's not nearly as strong as what you get from the vaccine, especially with the Delta variant, which is the hardiest and uh, most contagious variant we've seen to date. We need all the protection that we can get. That's why the vaccines are so effective. All right. We, you know, I can't, I can, I, in good conscience, I can't dismiss that as, as he and I just fundamentally disagree. He and I just disagree. He's looking at a different set of data, and I'm looking at another set of data. Uh, that is not the case. That is the U.S. Surgeon General stating on CNN something we all know, everyone who has, not only the doctors and the experts, uh, but people who just read up and know stuff about immunity. He just said that these shots, where we're getting uh, thousands of breakthrough cases, these shots provide not equal, he said better immunity than your own body gets through fighting off natural infection. That is another falsehood, folks, another falsehood. And there is a reason that even our own FDA doesn't recommend you get the shot after you've had an infection. You have to wait at least three months to get the shot. Why? Because your body still has antibodies from the infection but don't listen to me. I'm just uh, an old country boy from Mississippi. Um, let's read uh, what a professor from Johns Hopkins School of Medicine has to say about natural immunity. This is Dr. Marty Macari from a uh, professor at Johns Hopkins School of Medicine. Here is what uh, Dr. Macari uh, said. Quote, it appears that natural immunity is better against the Delta variant. 
When you get infected with COVID, your body's immune system develops antibodies to the entire surface of the virus. Not just the slight protein that the vaccine gives you, but the entire surface of the virus. And so you get a more diverse antibody portfolio in your system. One of the great failures of our medical leadership has been ignoring the half of America with natural immunity, which is the half of the non-vaccinated folks. And so Johns Hopkins refutes what the CDC just said there and the U.S. Surgeon General, uh, that the shot provides better immunity than natural immunity. That is not the case, and these people know that. But it's all about vaccine propaganda. That's what this is all about. It's about get the shot and don't ask questions. And to me, that strategy makes me ask three more questions than I would have already asked. The get the jab and don't ask questions no matter what is concerning to me. It's very concerning to me. And the, as I mentioned, the FDA just approved the Pfizer vaccine, and guess what they did conveniently? They skipped, they skipped the review panel that was supposed to bring in a wide range of experts to get their input on the jab, on the Pfizer jab. They completely skipped that. They skipped the review panel, which is done with every other vaccination approval process. They skipped it. We don't need it, they said. We don't need the experts to come in and give us their opinion of the jab and all the adverse events that we're seeing in the reporting database. No need for that. Let's just go ahead and improve it. Approve it. And by the way, uh, I'm going to post a couple critical links on my podcast page at AFR.net. I've got to mention that. I'm, I'm, I'm going too fast. But I'm going to post a lot of these links on my podcast page at AFR.net. So after the show, if you go to AFR.net, uh, we'll post many of these links. There's even some uh, some links to these uh, early and effective treatments that doctors across the country are seeing. But back to this FDA approval on the Pfizer shot. I mean, we're, we're being gaslit. Our country's being gaslit right in front of our face, and these people have no shame. These people absolutely have no shame. Uh, so on this, this Pfizer approval, in, in the approval letter sent, I, I printed off the approval letter to biotech uh, from the U.S. FDA and the CDC sent to um, a Pfizer company letting them know that their Pfizer has met full approval. Well, here's uh, about halfway through. You ask, you ask your, uh, yourself, are there any long-term studies on the potential side effects of the shot, of the jab? Well, the answer to that is no. Uh, we've only had this thing out since December of 2020, which is about eight to nine months. Uh, so no, to answer your question, there are no long-term studies on the potential side effects of the jab. Here is when we will get the results. Here is when we will get the long-term studies uh, that people that do have questions would like to read the studies for themselves to make their own health decision. Here is when we're going to get the studies. Um, when it comes to the pediatric uh, side effects, the side effects of uh, children 12 to 15, we'll get that report in October of 2023. Uh, that's when the FDA gave Pfizer the deadline to get that report out. Um, if you want to know about infants and children 6 months to 12 years of age, if you want to know if there are any adverse side effects to this jab, well, you're going to get that in May of 2024. That's when you're going to get that full study uh, published with the FDA. You'll get that in May of 2024. So if you have questions, 
don't uh, they say just don't ask the questions, just get the jab, and we'll tell you in 2024 whether there's any adverse reactions, whether there's any potential severe side effects. 2024 is when you get that. Um, another pediatric study, 2024 is when we'll get that. Um, if you have questions about um, myocarditis, which is a health uh, a heart issue. Uh, in young people who are getting the jab, which we're, I have personal testimonies of young people who get the jab, and then a week later they have this heart issue as a result of the jab. Um, if you want to know about that for your teenager, well, you're going to have to wait until October of 2025. That's when that final report is due to the FDA. And until then, good luck. Go ahead and get the jab and flip a coin on your teen's health. Um, if you want to know... About, uh, let's see, there's a long list of, of submission deadlines, of study completion deadlines. All the myocarditis or carditis um, studies have until 2024. One of them has until 2026 uh, to submit. Um, so this is, this is, this is, a, this is astonishing. Uh, we're approving a shot and, and on its own FDA approval letter, uh, this company, Pfizer, has anywhere from, from four to five years to actually study the side effects, to actually study the efficacy of the shot. Folks, uh, I encourage you to read up information on your own because what we're getting out there from the so-called experts, what we're getting from our government and the media conglomerates, some of it might be true, but the rest of it is not true. So read up on your own uh Ask your own doctor what you should do. Know your information. Uh, know what's going on. And don't always trust people because they have a fancy title by their name. I think that's what we can take out of the show today. AFA at the Court. I'm Walker Wildman. We'll see you next time. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.